0: Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters here on MPR.nz, or maybe you're listening on the podcast where all good podcasts can be found. Thanks for joining me today. This is the show coming to you from Manawatu in New Zealand around property and all things property, usually with a bit of a local twist, but we also have a look at National, international, a bit of property management and landlording as well. So we'll just see where the show takes us. I normally like to have a bit of a look through the news and comment a bit on that. So uh, let's get underway with uh, starting local. This article from the last week uh, was and it is reported on uh, propertynoise.co.nz. It's been it's been reported nationally. It's also been reported in the one or two standard. And this is a Palmerston North case where a property manager. What it says here, a property manager siphoned $50,000 from her client's accounts and she's fighting to keep her identity secret. At her sentencing in the Palmer's North District Court last week, an order to suppress her name was denied. But her legal team confirmed on Friday she would appeal the judge's decision so the woman's name remains suppressed for now. She was employed in the property management division of a major Manawatu real estate firm, which staff doesn't name for legal reasons, and I won't either. But part of her role was managing rental portfolios for 160 clients. Her former boss told the court that she worked hard and had a good work ethic. She earned the trust of her work colleagues. Trust is the only commodity we have to offer our clients. So in a fall from grace, she was convicted last week of accessing a computer system for a dishonest purpose in ordered to serve six months community detention, complete 200 hours of community work and cover the firm's $5,000 insurance excess fee. So it seems strange that she only... Oh, great that the company had insurance, by the way, to protect their clients. That's fantastic. Uh, But the actual lady stole $50,000 yet only has to cover the firm's $5,000 insurance fee. So she's getting away with uh, more money than some people earn in a year. Uh, which does seem a little out of proportion in my opinion uh, with that punishment, but then again, um, community detention, two hundred hours of community work, maybe it might dissuade that sort of behaviour but sad to see that that happening, uh, i won 't name the firm, but that may come out in due course. There's an article from just over the hills, so to speak, and by over the hills I don't mean we're all getting older, what I mean is Tararua. So the Tararua area, house prices have hit a record high post-lockdown. So the house prices in Tararua have continued to soar. This was from New Zealand Advisor magazine, and so it's hitting a record high since the government lifted the lockdown in May, according to the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. So the latest data from Ryan's, revealed that the median house prices in Tararua hit a record $300,000 in May, up by 9% from May the year before. So in this article, Professionals Paiheatua real estate agent Donna Dewa noted a spike in out-of-town buyers throughout the country. Many first home buyers in southern Tararua are coming from Manawatū and Palmas North to seek higher and fast rising prices in the Tararua range. Meanwhile, property broker's Danny Burke branch manager Dave Frith told Stuff that most out-of-town buyers in northern Tararua came from large cities who could easily buy a home in the district after selling their property. And Tararua is not the only area gaining interest from property investors, with one in four real estate agents having seen an increase in investor buying activity across New Zealand this month. A net of 25% of agents noticed a net 16% increase in investors this month compared to May, according to the joint survey from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand and independent economist Tony Alexander. So a surge in buying activity might have been driven by the hope to get cut price deals, with 60% of respondents saying investors were looking for bargains and 64% focusing on record low interest rates. According to Tony Alexander, the figure was unsurprising considering the low level of interest rates which investors in bank deposits are currently receiving and the hopes many undoubtedly have to purchase something more cheaply than might have been the case four months ago. So that brings me to the next article, really, which is going to talk about what might happen to house prices. Now, I say might because uh, the national trends, as I've mentioned on the show before, are quite different to the regional trends. But here's a couple of articles that are talking mainly nationally. The first one from propertynoise.co.nz. New Zealand house prices could potentially drop worse than 9% according to the Reserve Bank. Now I must say that potentially is an inverted commas so they always tend to focus on the worst side of things. But year-on-year year falls and new mortgage commitments were widespread and in Auckland new mortgage commitments fell 31.2% while new commitments outside of Auckland fell 34.9%. So here's some key data that the Reserve Bank Uh, Has mentioned, uh, or they've got a a range of data there, where 18.5% of the new mortgages are from first home buyers and investors accounted for 20.7% of the new mortgage commitments. So that's actually an increase in investors looking to buy. Just a reminder that in response to the economic impact of COVID 19, the Reserve Bank removed mortgage loan to valuation restrictions for 12 months, effective from the 1st of May 2020. So that's something which has made it a little easier for people to borrow. So stuff.co.nz did a bit of a survey around a number of economists and a number of banks and so forth to find out what's really going to happen with New Zealand's house prices. Again, important thing here is they're talking nationally. Some areas will be affected way worse than others. And so that does bring the average down. But let's have a look. So according to this article, if you own a house or you're thinking of trying to get into the market you've probably been watching forecasts of house prices falls with a weary eye. While some warn of falls as much as 15% over the year ahead, other economists have said any movement should be small and if we're talking about Tararua like we were talking about earlier or Manawatū Wanganui then I don't think there'll be much of a fall at all but that's just my personal view there. So if you're trying to Pick the right time to buy or sell or just worry about the value of your assets. It can be hard to know what to expect. So that's why stuff went out to the country's leading economists and see what they predicted. So unfortunately for those hoping for clarity, there are a lot of conflicting views. But let's start with Westpac Chief Economist Dominic Stevens. He said he expected house prices to fall 7% between March 2020 and December 2020. And he says, according to the Real Estate Institute, of New Zealand House Price Index, prices had already fallen by 1.2% in May. ASB economist Mike Jones said he expected house prices to keep falling at a national level through to the middle of 2021, middle of next year in other words. So from that peak of the market to the bottom of the fall would be about 6%, he said. Our sense is that this is at the less pessimistic end of the spectrum, with many shocks calling for double digit declines. We remain happy to we remain happy to occupy this less negative ground. But he did say it was too soon to say that the property market had started to recover. He says that a big test for the housing market was always going to be the back half of 2020. It's now winter, the quietest period for the market, and over the next 6 months the winter winds of rising unemployment, reduced job security, slowing population growth and slowing household income growth are going to blow a little harder. Importantly, he says that uh, uncertainty around the upcoming general election and a wobbly global economy probably won't put much confidence in the market either, which I'd certainly agree with. ANZ economists said that while the low interest rates would cushion some of the impact of recession, weaker incomes and reduced job security would would weigh on the housing market. The bank's economists now expect house prices to fall 12% when they'd earlier suggested up to 15%. Economist Shamabil Jakub Uh, who's uh, quite well known, uh, and he's a really interesting guy, actually, if you ever get the chance to listen to him speak. His comment, he said he had no idea. Literally, I really don't know. Cameron Bagri, economist, and he has his own company. I think it's called Bagri... Oh, no, I can't quite remember. Uh, Bagri Economics or or something like that. Now, he's less pessimistic than some on the housing in the near term. He says near-term support measures such as the wage subsidy, signs of economic rebound, mortgage holidays, expat returning Kiwi buyers and lower deposit rates are encouraging investor activity, all helping. But ultimately, I think the long slog ahead for the global and New Zealand economy translates into unemployment remaining high and downwards pressure on house prices in the order of 10%. Now, I agree to a certain extent with what Cameron's saying there in that... We've got an artificially propped up market at the moment, and it's going to be in the second half of this year that things start to hit uh, with regards to the housing market. Infometrics, Gareth Kiernan from Infometrics, we're forecasting a 5.4% national drop by June 2021, and a fall of 10.9% in the 18 months to December 2021. He says... And to quote, I did a quick stock take of other forecasts I could find a few days ago. Most seem to have the biggest annual fall occurring in March 2021. Our view is a bit different. We think the mortgage holiday scheme will limit price falls until September this year and that the biggest declines will occur throughout 2021 as people are forced to sell due to job losses and income reductions. He expected to house prices to increase during 2022 as economic growth accelerated and people came back into the market looking for a bargain. He does say, however, that relatively low population growth and oversupply of housing in some areas means that the pickup is likely to be short lived, a bit like what we saw in 2009 and 2010 when prices bounced up following the GFC drop, but the fundamentals weren't there to sustain the pickup. There are a couple of others. Tony Alexander, uh, economist, says that prices would be down 5 to 8% nationwide. And S&P Global Ratings, expected house prices to fall about 10%. So so there's a real range there. And again, don't get too terrified about the national figures uh, if you live in the regions, where in some regions there is actually a lot going on. Uh, manotu Wanganui, for example, uh huge amount of spending happening here in the next uh, five to ten years, and in fact some of it's already happening here, which just means a lot more people moving to the area, a lot of... Uh, Projects happening and therefore the supply versus demand will continue to be strong. What we've noticed is that we're still getting multiple offers on properties. Uh, We had, um, I think, 40 to an open home of a reasonably moderately priced home uh, just on the weekend just gone. So there's still people out there looking to buy. There is still demand there. Uh, even if that demand drops a bit due to the impact, delayed impact of COVID nineteen, there's still going to be good in this region. So probably no need to to panic about some of those figures. Another thing to consider is in Palmerston North. The median house prices went up twenty percent in a year recently. So a drop of five or ten percent is actually um, <laughs> comes on the end of that. So uh, even if it was to drop, you're still better off than you used to be. So there we go. There's some good logic for you. Talking about uh, things moving up, prices moving up, and, and so forth. The government's first home grant. Remember the first home grant. Well, those of you who have been looking to buy a house, a first home, uh, we're eligible and are eligible for a first-home grant. So it used to be called HomeStart, but an article here on propertynoise.co.nz says that uh, the HomeStart is increasingly out of touch with the actual market. They quote a lower-hut first-home buyer, Jason Firth, who said that we're very excited that the government could help us into our first home. We then soon found out that we just couldn't find anything that would be suitable in that price range. So there are price caps. So in other words, they'll lend you Money for a first home grant, but only if you buy at a certain price or less. So in Auckland and Queenstown, it's six hundred thousand for an existing property or six hundred and fifty for a new one. Uh, in many of the regions, um, excluding Manawatu-Wanganui, but in many of the regions, they'll lend up to five hundred. Oh, you need. To, to buy a house under five hundred thousand, that's existing or five fifty, that's new, and the rest of New Zealand, which does include us here in Manawatu, Wanganui, existing or older properties four hundred thousand, new properties five hundred thousand. So as prices have gone up, it's harder and harder to get that home start loan. So I guess one thing to be thankful here in the Manawatu or Wanganui. Um, that we were talking about earlier is that as first-time buyers still can get access to that we can really help them with a, um, with a bit of a deposit to get things underway. Now just talking about what's going to happen to prices though there's some interesting figures that came out of this article. So they figured out what percentage in certain areas would not qualify for the grant. So in Auckland 86% of houses were above the price cap Queenstown Lakes, 91%, Wellington, in Wellington, uh, 90%, and Pararua, 89%. So uh, it's really actually, there's not that many homes as a proportion where the loans can be taken so you can get that little bit of a head start might just be a case potentially for some buyers to have a little rethink and think well let's just buy a house to get started build up some equity and then move on from there and really focus on a second house instead as the main main home that they have so we're going to go to a little bit of music now it's a happy tuesday and i'm putting on the song from bob marley and the whalers could you be loved That was Bob Marley and the Wailers. Could you be loved? You're with Greg Watson here on Property Matters where we talk all things property. And I've just been having a look at a bit of the news just before the break there for, for a bit of Bob Marley. I do like a bit of Bob Marley actually. It just that song in particular cheers me up, makes me feel really good. So I hope you enjoyed it too. So here's the next article a Huge fall in residential mortgage approvals in May twenty twenty, according to the uh, reserve banks so um, that's uh, something that we covered I guess before the break or we alluded to and I'm not going to, going to uh, go into too much detail there but it just shows that people's situations changed considerably during COVID-19 and some deals uh, fell over etc. So uh, that's something which um, you know was really noticeable in my line of work was that there were some people that simply uh, were looking to buy properties and then those Unfortunately, with job changes, could not continue and go through with it. So here's an article from goodreturns.co.nz. It says, what's going on in the rental market? Unsurprisingly, there's been a big increase in rental supply in some of New Zealand's tourism hotspots, according to TradeMe Me Property's latest rental data. This month's Trade Me Rental Price Index suggests that rental market is returning to normal following a slow few months since lockdown began, apart from in the tourism-dependent areas. So TradeMe Property spokesperson Aaron Clancy says the regions with economies that relied heavily on tourism saw the biggest rental market supply changes last month. In Otago, the number of properties available to rent was up 46% when compared to April and 28% when compared to this time a year ago. Taking a closer look or narrowing down to the Queenstown Lakes district, supply was up 90% when compared to May 2019. So that's got to do something for prices. Other tourist centres also saw a substantial year-on-year increase in supply. For example, in Rotorua, the rental market supply was up 39% when compared to the same time last year. So Clancy says they've seen some short-term holiday rental accommodation listed as tourist demand decreases, which increases the supply of rentals available. Plus, people working in sectors impacted by the drop in tourism are likely relocating and making life changes accordingly, which means that properties are becoming available much more than before. If the major employers in these regions aren't hiring, it's going to make those rentals harder to fill, so difficult for people that have investment property in some of those areas. So an increase in the amount of rental stock available often indicates higher vacancies and a looser rental market that can exert downward pressure on prices. However, Clancy did say the broader New Zealand rental market saw activity starting to return to pre-COVID-19 levels in May and that's what we've found here in two as well. He says, as we entered level 2 and Kiwi's returned to their new normal in May, we saw both supply and demand for rentals bounce back after a turbulent few months. So far it looks like both tenants and landlords have confidence in the market. So the number of properties available to rent in May was up 56% on April, but only 3% on the same time last year. So he also says that maybe lockdown made some tenants rethink their current rental and anecdotally they're hearing a lot of Kiwis have returned from overseas and are looking for somewhere to live. So they would expect that that could add pressure to the market, make it harder for tenants to secure the property that they want. So we've got this, dichotomy of the tourism-affected areas compared to the non. For example, here in the Manawatu, uh, we've bounced back to almost a situation as normal sort of scenario. So we'll just move on, on from that. Uh, this story here, just a bit of Wanganui news. Um, there's demolition and land development ahead for Wanganui Anglican Church. So the Anglican Church and hall on Wanganui's Jury Hill is to be demolished and the land subdivided into three sections. So the windows have now been removed and the trees that are in the power lines will be cut down. So no services have actually been held at the church for at least 10 years but the buildings are sometimes used to host the Jury Hill Village Market if you've been to that one. Retired bank manager and Wanganui Anglican parishioner Kevin Gaskin was appointed by the church to come up with proposals for the property. A lot of time and thoughts gone into it, Gaskin said. The property was offered for sale by 10 to 2 years ago. The only offer was for the value of the land minus demolition costs. So Gaskin looked at alternative uses such as rental and refugee housing, but the church was unable to build housing itself. So instead, it's contracted Sentinel Homes to demolish the buildings, subdivide the land and connect services to it. And Sentinel will then offer three sunny sections with land and design packages for sale. So money from the proceeds will go to the church and can only be used for church property. Could pay for the earthquake strengthening, for example. So Gaskin says they're just trying to get as much equity out of the property as they can. Speaking of uh, getting some money back from property, this article from stuff.co.nz Kiwi old West themed town seeks new sheriff. So in 2012, Rob Bartley bought a detailed replica of the 1860s Wyoming frontier town set in the heart of a 900 acre ranch on the central plateau with a handshake deal. The entire project project, Mellon's Folly Ranch, had been built for a reported $8 million dollars by his friend John Bedogni, who successfully founded a, uh, who successfully founded a glass company. So, when when Bedogni came in, he, this town was built he, for his friends to have and to have private events. So he's maintained that the old West Town's original mission, hosting an event every month or so. It's a, he says they're quite selective about what they do, what they do it for, because it's quite a special place. But you can go to this town uh, and have weddings, corporate retreats, or family get-togethers. So uh, in recent years it's really skyrocketed he says in popularity and price in terms of uh, the attending but also the fact that they um, produce manuka honey which is very profitable as well. So this property is now for sale. He said last year his ranch produced 15.5 tonnes of manuka honey which he sells in bulk so there's a lot of money in that there. Really interesting investment. It's listed for 7.5 million US dollars because it's listed internationally, um, and that's 11.7 million. So there are 10 period buildings, including a licensed saloon, a courthouse that doubles as a cinema, a sheriff's office, a billiards lounge, a structure called Texas Rose's Bathhouse, and 13 guest rooms that can accommodate a total of twenty two people. And what's cool about this, it's also got a three bedroom home on the property with period appropriate architecture that's used by the property manager and there's a large commercial barn for tools and machinery needed to keep the property up and running and two staff houses that can accommodate at least six people. So on a typical weekend, he says, people arrive, we encourage them to bring cowboy clothing, we also have a costume department, we give them a town tour. They strap on holsters, give them a gun, uh, and everyone grows about six inches, he says, when they put that gun on. So the weapons don't have bullets, but gas canisters to make shot-like sounds. I mean, how cool is that? But they also have a whole lot of activities, horse riding, clay pigeon shooting, archery walks in the bush. Sounds like a great place to go. They've even got a big cannon that they fire at nine o'clock, At night. So, pretty cool. So, the ranch itself for sale, but that notwithstanding, it seems to be a really interesting investment if you're looking for something outside the square. Uh, Certainly, buying an old west town in the central plateau of New Zealand one would say is pretty much outside the square. So that finishes up the show today for Property Management. I'd love to visit that place. may not necessarily be able to afford to buy it, but uh, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and uh, you can find this wherever all good podcasts are found. Uh, you've been listening to Property Matters on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo I on Ngā Tangata o Manawatu. So I'm Greg Watson. We'll see you next week. Music you're a fan of npr listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier just search for accessmedia.nz on the app store or google play and download the app with the kiwi fruit logo once you've got it pick manawatu people's radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show